Listener Production. Good morning, sports fans, and welcome to the number one daily sports news podcast in the country, The Scorecard. I'm Brett Thomas, and this is your fast, fun hit of sport for Tuesday, July 18. Today, get to know your Matildas. Two sleeps until the FIFA Women's World Cup, the first in our pocket profile series. A big change to England's 11 ahead of the fourth Ashes Test, plus a special guest spotted at Aussie training. Basket case, West Tigers chairman puts his own CEO under the pump. And wild card, the AFL to float a new finals format. But first. We call on all those in positions of power across football, business and politics to come on this journey with us to make women's football as big as it can be. In the lead-up to the Men's World Cup, the Socceroos took a stance and now the Matildas are doing something similar. Now, the Socceroos, that was about Qatar's human rights history. For the Matildas, this is about equal pay. Now, it's important to point out that the Matildas and the Socceroos actually get paid the same. Football Australia changed that a number of years ago. And back in 2015, when the Matildas went on strike, that was successful and they got themselves a collective bargaining agreement. This stance, released in a video message that you heard, is about helping other nations who don't have that pulling power and to improve the paying conditions for the W League. For them, it's barely a part-time job. At this year's World Cup, FIFA has upped its prize money to $165 million, which seems good, but compare that to the men's at somewhere north of 650. Now, in terms of the argument of revenue and interest, well, defender Alana Kennedy says that doesn't really fly when you've got 80,000 fans who will pack into Sydney to watch their World Cup opener against Ireland on Thursday night. You always get the, oh, no one's watching women's football and blah, you know. It's those things, they're just, you know, it's water off a duck's back. It's for us, it's not true. On the pitch in the Matildas train at their Brisbane base yesterday, Sam Kerr was out there allaying any concerns about a hamstring niggle. Tamika Yellup, though, the star midfielder, was a no-show. She picked up a knee injury in the friendly against France. Kennedy had an update on her. I don't know. I can call her if you want. Um, we're just trying to look after everyone, um, make sure everyone's everyone's healthy. I guess it's the, the bigger picture at the moment, so the long game. The FIFA Women's World Cup is only two sleeps away, but just how well do you know this Matilda's team? Liam Flanagan has the first in our pocket profile series coming up next. Getting to know you, getting to know all about you. The FIFA Women's World Cup is upon us, and for a lot of people, unless we're talking about Sam Kerr, some of these Aussie players might be a touch unfamiliar. So, let's get to know some Matildas. Sam Kerr! Of course it is! Sam Kerr isn't letting go of her title as Australia's biggest footballing star anytime soon. But when the sun does set on Sam's reign, chances are we'll all be bowing down to our new Queen Mary. And I don't mean the one from Denmark. Russo, the cutback for Fowler, beautifully done! And Mary Fowler off the bench in the second half and onto the score sheet. Mary Fowler, the youngest member of the Matildas World Cup squad and the goal scorer from our win against France in our final warm-up match last week. How do I put this about Mary delicately? Mary is a bona fide footballing star. S-T-A-R star. But there's something about Mary that they don't know. Born in Cannes, she plies her trade with Man City in the Women's Super League, but she made her international debut as a 15-year-old. Let's get some context on that. I'll give you all a second to think about what you were doing at 15. Yeah, Mary was playing international football. Puts it into perspective, doesn't it? 
Five years on from that debut, she's earned 37 international caps for the Matildas and scored 10 goals. She's not even 21. I feel so old. And while she'll most likely come off the bench for Thursday's opener against Ireland as a midfielder or striking option, there was a very real possibility that Mary could have been scoring goals against Australia instead of for us. You see, her dad, Kev, was born in the land of the leprechauns and representing Ireland was a very real possibility for Fowler growing up. This would be an Irish person. potatoes. But thankfully, there'll be some gold mixed in with her green uniform this Thursday night. Mary Fowler. Get on the bandwagon now before it's too late. So England has revealed its 11 for the all-important fourth test at Old Trafford as they aim to level the series. Australia currently leading 2-1. James Anderson is back. He was rested at Headingley. The veteran paceman gets a crack on his home deck. So England now has a formidable bowling lineup, considering the form of Mark Wood and Chris Wokes in Leeds. The unlucky man to miss out is the Ashes antagonist in Ollie Robinson. He had some back spasms going into that third test. The Australian team, David Warner, of course, is the biggest talking point if they fit in Cameron Green and Keith Mitchell Marsh. Will David Warner be the unlucky one to miss out? Usman Kawaja has gone into bat for his opening partner. From my point of view, Dave Warner's been one of the greatest openers of all time. It's, it's him and Hados right up there for Australia, I reckon. That's top two ever, so um, I'll always back David no matter what. I think a lot of the other guys would too. Yeah, it's massive. It's a thankless job. Like We go out there at the start and we had a really good start at Lords on really overcast conditions. I got out just last over before lunch, but it sets up the game for rest of, rest of the other team. See, see, this comes down in the sunshine, he gets it down the sun, plays a beautiful hundred. I think as an opener, sometimes you don't always just, you know, record your good days on how many runs you play. It also sometimes just about just grinding through those tough times. And there's an interesting addition to the Aussie setup. Stuart Jew, who was sacked as Gold Coast's coach barely a week ago, is in the Aussie gear and helping out the team in an unknown role. There's no doubt that West Tigers are an absolute basket case in the NRL at the moment. Well on their way to a second wooden spoon with seven games to go. They've had some record-breaking beltings this season. Their chairman, Lee Hadjapantelis, faced the music last night on Fox League. Didn't do a great job of defending his chief executive, Justin Pascoe, who he admits, like all of them there, are feeling the heat. How much pressure is he under, Justin Pascoe? A lot, as a lot, Buzz, as we all are, incredible pressure. The last couple of weeks have been the worst of my tenure as a chairman, but this entire club is feeling the pressure all the way from chairman through the board. You can't guarantee his job. No. Buzz, you will never hear me use the words guarantee. There are legal implications of guaranteeing someone's employment, but as we stand here today, there is no reason to think that Justin Pascoe will not be the CEO in 2024. He has the full faith and confidence of the board. And Hatchapantelis also had to put out another spot fire. An emergency meeting was reportedly held between their coach-in-waiting, Benji Marshall, who takes over from Tim Sheens at the end of next year, and their recruitment manager, Scott Fulton. The pair apparently not seeing eye to eye when it comes to players that they're interested in. But Hadjapantelis slam claims that Benji pushed to sign a player he stood to gain financially from. The inference is that Benji's only preferring players in which he has a financial interest. Now, could you impugn the credibility of someone more than that? It was a disgraceful assertion without any factual basis. The AFL at times has been accused of borrowing too much from American sport. Well, today they will gauge the interest of the 18 club chiefs about a wildcard round. It means the final series would be expanded. So during the weekend that we normally have a pre-finals buy, we'd have a face-off between 7th and 10th 
an 8v9. Now, this concept has had big success in the NBA where effectively you have a play-in tournament to get into the playoffs. With a traffic jam in that lower part of the top eight, former Magpies coach Nathan Buckley and Lions legend Jonathan Brown are big fans of the idea. With the ladder looking as, as squeezed as it is, it sort of warrants then you've got to win that last one on a wildcard weekend. Yeah, it'd be fantastic. This year it'd be set up for it. If you're listening via Spotify, remember hit that bell so you don't miss the app every morning. And that's your fast, fun hit of sport. Catch you tomorrow on The Scorecard. Listener.